0: How many of you have read the classic children's book, The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein? It was published almost 60 years ago in 1964. It's a classic tale of a tree and a boy that should be put under the genre horror. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Many of you remember how the story goes. When the child was little, he would visit the tree every day, play in her leaves, climb up her trunk, swing from her branches, eat her apples, sleep in her shade, and both the boy and the tree were happy. But as the boy grew into a man, the relationship became, shall we say, less uh, mutual, He narcissistically stops visiting the tree except when he needs something, and the tree is so codependent that the tree just keeps giving until there is nothing left to give. First, he takes the tree's apples to sell, and then he takes the tree's branches to build. This is violent, people. <laughs> like, and then he takes the tree's trunk to build a boat. And when only a stump remains, the tree offers uh, that to the boy as a seat. And the original story ends with the line, come, boy, sit down, sit down and rest. And the boy did, and the tree was happy. But was the tree really happy? <laughs> like, I think by that we mean the stump. Uh, or is this classic children's story just gaslighting all of us? Are we just going to sweep under the rug all those years between the boys' visits when the tree was you know, increasingly devastated? Perhaps this story should be retitled The Giving Tree and The Taking Man. Or even better, do we need a better ending? Well, good news. A few years ago, the writer Topher Payne did just that. For the uninitiated, allow me to introduce you to the story of the tree, the tree who set healthy boundaries. Can you see up on the top left-hand corner, the tree is telling that little boy a word never heard in the original version, that two-word, no, two-letter word, no, yeah. So let's pick up our story as the boy is growing, growing older and only wanting to visit the tree when he wants something. I'm too busy to climb trees, said the man. I also think it's problematic that the original story keeps saying boy, 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 and like he's a man, y'all. <laughs> like, you know, like man up. Uh, I'm too busy to climb trees, said the man. I want a house to keep me warm. I want a wife and children. I need a house. Can you give me a house? Can you give me a house. And the tree said, you way to own responsibility for yourself, right? Can you give me a house? And the tree said, Okay, hold up. This is getting out of hand. Can you see the talk to the hand gesture from the, the tree? <laughs> Look, the tree said. There we go. Uh, I was fine giving you the apples to help you get on your feet. They'll grow back next season anyway. But no. I'm not giving you a house. You know, I've seen boys like you pull this nonsense with other trees in the forest. (laughs) First it's the apples, and then the branches, and then the trunk. And before you know that mighty, beautiful tree is just a sad little stump. Well, look here, boy, I love you like family, but I'm not going down like that. Do you see the tree's hands on its hips? Yeah. It keeps going. And while we're on the subject, the tree said, grabbing him by the collar of the shirt, I recognize that friendships evolve over time. I know that we may not see each other as often as you have other friends and other things going on in your life, but you know, we used to be real tight, and now it feels like you only see me when you need something, right? Naming the dynamic, right? How do you think that makes me feel? And the man took a long breath. He felt a sour rumble in his stomach because he realized he hadn't considered his friend's feelings. He'd only been thinking about himself. And so he said, I bet that makes you feel sad. Yes, sad, the tree said. I can't even remember the last time you asked me how I'm doing. Well, how are you, tree? He sincerely wanted to know, so the tree told the boy all about the gossip in the forest and introduced him to the family of red squirrels that had moved into her trunk. You can't do that if you don't have a trunk, right? So, uh, While she was glad for the company the squirrels provided, she was actually concerned about the long-term health benefits of hosting a burrow, and she shared that with the boy. (laughs) So the man called a local arborist to explain that squirrels don't need wood, they only build nests in pre-existing holes, so the tree took a sigh of relief that the tree was no longer in danger, felt relieved, and so was the boy, because the boy loved his friend and was concerned about her long-term health because she had taught him with boundaries the importance of empathy. And so it continued, the tree and the man, there we go, uh, looking out for each other like that, both of them content in the knowledge that they had each other's back. The man actually attended culinary school and the tree took courses online and got her certification in small business management. (laughs) They did their homework together nearly every day. The man became a pastry chef, and together they opened a bakery selling the best apple pies that anyone had ever tasted. It turned a profit in the first 18 months, which is most uncommon. And eventually, the man had a son of his own. And much later, the son of the man had his own family. And because of their friendship that never could have happened otherwise, the boy was successful. And the tree grew wider and stronger, standing tall and beautiful in the forest. And a few years after that, as each generation played in her strong branches, the tree thought back to that fateful day when the tree had asked her for her to make him a house. And she would have gladly given her branches because she loved him that much. She would have given him the branches. She would have given him the trunk. But then she would have had nothing left, not for herself. There never would have been a home for the squirrels. And she wouldn't have lived long enough to see the grandchildren. There would have been no bakery with the best apple pies anyone ever tasted. So, the setting of healthy boundaries is not about refusing to give. It's about healthy giving, in which both can prosper. And it assures you'll always have something left to give. And so the tree was happy. Everyone was. The end. So, is that a happier ending? At least in my view, it very much is, and it breaks my heart all the times I've seen the opposite happen, and I think many of you can think of examples of that. I think many of you in your own experience know that setting and holding boundaries, it's a lot easier to say and do in a children's story or in theory than it is in the crucible of our real-life experience. So if some of you need some help uh, setting and holding boundaries, uh, allow me to introduce you to Nedra Glover-Tawab. Any Nedra-Tawab fans in the house? All right, I see a few hands. Yeah, Ashley, I'll say this publicly because she put it on social media when I shared the picture of this. You said this is the most important book you've read in 10 years, in a decade. And Ashley reads a lot, so that, that's she reads a lot, so that's saying something. Um, She's a therapist, social worker, and writer. My favorite book by her was published a few years ago. It's titled Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself. It's short, accessible, it's very practical, it's a great place to start if this sermon leaves you curious to learn more. There's also a Set Boundaries workbook uh, to help you put the lessons from her first book into practical action in your own life. And just this year, she published a second book titled Drama Free a guide to managing unhealthy family relationships i know no one can identify with uh with that uh in this room uh Uh, You can also give your future self a gift. In November, she is publishing a self-boundaries card deck. So this is something you could just draw a card, you know, once a day and kind of be surprised and see what the resonance might be between what's going on in your life and what this card brings up, or draw a card and work with a family member or whatever. So there's lots of uh, resources available, but don't get overwhelmed. I would encourage you to focus on just her first book. It's a great place to start. Or if you feel like I don't even have time for any of that. You know, I can't even read a short book or listen to it on audio or whatever. I'm also a big fan of her uh, Instagram feed. Uh, it's free. You could get a lot of benefit from taking just a few moments to scroll, scroll through her archive of posts. I also invite you to notice that she has 1.8 million followers and is following 98 people. Boundaries, right? She's bottling it for you right there, right? You can look at me, but I don't want to look at your stuff, right? So, uh, uh, indeed, part of what helped skyrocket her career was when one of her Instagram posts went uh, viral. It was titled Signs That You Need Boundaries. As I read through these warning signs, notice if you identify in particular with any, any one or more of these signs in this season of your life. Do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel resentment when people ask you for help? Do you avoid phone calls and interactions with people who might potentially ask you for something? Do you make comments about, I'm always helping this person out and getting nothing in return? Do you feel burned out? Do you frequently daydream about dropping everything and disappearing? (laughs) to, Unlike Cheers, to where no one knows your name. Do you find you have no time for yourself? Well, the first step, as they say, is admitting you have a problem. So let's get into the specifics a little more, just what are boundaries anyway. Tawab's definition is that boundaries are expectations and needs, expectations and needs that help you feel safe and comfortable in relationships safe, that's how we should feel in relationships, we should feel safe and comfortable. Is that so unreasonable, being forthright and transparent about this is what I need to be safe and comfortable in this relationship? As we've already seen, the corollary is that not having boundaries directly correlates to feeling overwhelmed, resentful, avoidant, and burned out in relationships instead of comfortable and safe. My favorite definition of boundaries comes from uh, the therapist, activist, and writer Prentice Hemphill. She writes that boundaries are the distance at which I can love both you and me simultaneously. Boundaries are the distance at versus the enmeshment. Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. That's a profound point. Me loving you matters, but so does me loving me, right? You loving you matters. But that last part too easily gets dropped or rolled over. If I only love you or you only love me, we can end up in a giving tree situation in which one person gives and gives and gives and the other person takes and takes and takes, right? Until only a stump remains. We all have limits. Boundaries are a reminder that everyone matters, that both people in a relationship matter. Boundaries are that distance at which you can love yourself and another person at the same time, simultaneously. Tuabs has identified two core steps in setting boundaries, communication, and action. You've got to communicate your boundaries. People cannot read your mind. What do we tell our children? Use your words, right? Use your words. People can't read your mind or your heart. To set a boundary, you have to explicitly state what you expect, ideally, succinctly, and clearly, as succinctly and clearly as you can. Because that gives you something to repeat, something you kind of have in your back pocket and you just pull it out, you know, so that you can just repeat that boundary. Communication and action. If your boundaries are violated, the action is you have to restate that boundary simply and clearly, but also, you know, gently but firmly. For example, if you have a friend who regularly creates chaos in your life by changing plans at the last minute, you know you carefully arrange your day so that you can meet them, and then just constantly kind of up, you know, and then throws your whole day off. You might set a boundary: I need to know the day before if we're going to change plans, and then I'll change them if I can. But then maybe your friend is still texting you an hour before, requesting, "Hey, can we, you know, push it back forty-five minutes or whatever?" Or uh, you know, what you could say, holding your boundary, might sound like this. Look, I still want to hang out with you, but my schedule just won't allow for changing at the last minute. I need to know, reiterating your boundary, at least the day before, let's set up a time to get together next week. Restate the boundary and hold it, gently and compassionately, but firmly. I also appreciate TWAB's top three tips to avoid when setting boundaries. The first one is a biggie, and it's a really easy error that a lot of people make. Never, ever, ever... Apologize for setting a boundary. For both you and the person you're setting a boundary with, if you apologize, that's sort of seeding and encouraging the misconception that it's wrong or selfish for you to set a boundary. There's no reason to apologize for trying to be healthy and to avoid becoming the giving tree who gives and gives until only a stump remains. You don't need to apologize for that. Don't waver. Said more positively, hold the boundary every time. If so, if you let someone transgress your boundary, especially if they are a known boundary transgressor, you know what they are or not. If you let them transgress your boundary even once, it can set a precedent that you know you're open to having this boundary transgressed and to further violations. And the third is, oh, we're missing the third. It's all right. The third is don't say too much. Phrased more positively, be succinct and repeat your original, clear, concise boundary as much as possible. Don't say too much. If it feels OK to you, it's fine to respond to a few questions of how you, why you set your boundary. Uh, but you don't have to. By and large, healthy people will respect that this boundary is what you need at this time. And if that changes, you'll let them know. That last point is really, really important. How someone responds to your boundary, that is data. They are giving you data. By and large, healthy people will respect that your boundary is, again, what you need without giving you much pushback. In contrast, people that are less healthy will often be less respectful of your boundary and push back harder or even violate it repeatedly. In other words, if someone gives you a lot of pushback on a boundary, you may want to think to yourself, not, I maybe I need to change my boundary. You may want to think, wow, this person just showed me I really, really need a boundary with them, and I really need to be intentional of holding this boundary around them. They just gave me a lot of data about themselves and how they care more about themselves than me. There are a lot of strategies in Tuab's book for dealing with people who challenge your boundaries. I'll limit myself to just three quick examples of what are the practical responses you might have in your back pocket if someone pushes back on a boundary you've set. The first is you want to explicitly call it out. Just say something like, are you trying to make me feel bad for saying what I need? You know, what, why are you doing that? Uh, You can make the conversation about you, not about them. You know, this this is not personal. This is just what I found I need. It's not about you. This is what I found I need. Or declare that you've made your decision. Say something like, your response seems like you're trying to change my mind. You know, I'm not open to having my mind changed. If you find that any saying anything like that, setting or holding boundaries, or even if you're noticing right now, if you're finding like that's really, really difficult or it's bigging up really big emotions for you of fear or guilt or shame, it, it may help to read the book. You may need more than the Instagram, right? Like, you, may, you may need to read the book. And I'm, I'm really serious when I say that I have a list of therapist referrals available upon request. Because what that's about is you may need some expert help unpacking the boundaries or lack thereof in your family of origin. You may need to spend some time thinking about, what are my earliest and strongest memories around when my boundaries were respected and honored or when my boundaries were disrespected and dishonored? Because that's what those big emotions are about. They're about that really early stuff, and it can help to have someone accompany you in doing that work. The goal of such work is it's just, this is all about getting more free and liberated around setting the boundaries that you need to be more peaceful and at ease in your life, and to feel safer and more comfortable in your relationships. For now, I'll move toward my conclusion with the two most common mistakes I've found in my own ongoing experiments with setting and holding boundaries. I've got all this figured out. I'm continuing to experiment with it in my own life. The first most common mistake I've seen is that at first, people can go too far and become really, really rigidly boundaried, just like extremely brick wall boundary. Uh, And there's some great material in Tawab's book for avoiding either boundaries that are way too porous on one side and still let people make you a doormat or too rigid on the other. And how do I find this Goldilocks zone of boundaries that is just right, you know, for loving both yourself and others? The other most common mistake I've seen with setting and holding boundaries is that some people think that boundaries give you permission to, like, control other people. That's really not what boundary... You know, I'm going to set a boundary that Nick has to do this for me or whatever. That's, that's actually not what boundaries are. Uh, for instance, a, a hypothetical, friend, that hypothetical friend who always wants to change plans at the last minute, you can't necessarily set a boundary to stop them from asking you to change plans at the last minute. But you can change your own personal willingness to, you know, to adapt to that change. Boundaries work best when you focus on what you need and what you can change to allow yourself to be loved as well as the other person. So you can't control what other people do, but you can adjust what you're willing to do around. Now, there's so much more to say about all this, about setting physical boundaries, what you do and don't consent to around touch, including handshakes and hugs. Boundaries around your time, boundaries around holidays, boundaries around relationships and social media, and more, and all of that is covered in her book. Depending on your time and interest, I'll say just two other quick things. One is you may need to have different boundaries with different people in your life. Do you all know kind of Dunbar's rule from anthropology that you can only really know about 150 people? That that's you know, unlike Facebook tells you you can have an infinite number of friends, it's a lie. Uh, you can really know about 150 people, and so you can kind of think outside my 150. You might. I want to have different rules for these like you know I get random people like facebook messaging me and asking me to like read their book and I'm like no, I'm not gonna do. I don't. I don't know you, man. Uh, it's always a man. Uh, the um, so beyond, you know, and then inside that one fifty. But beyond that, if you move your the decimal place twice, uh, fifteen. So 150, you can really kind of know by name and miss when an absent. Fifteen is about probably the number of actual friends you can have, and about five is really your inner circle. So you know you can really respond differently and faster to that five versus the 15, versus the 150, versus the everyone else in the world. So that's another thing to think about. And just quickly with social media, I'll just give one, um, the biggest thing I've done in my own life, and y- you can even do this right now, delete Facebook from your phone. Yeah. It's the best thing I've done, yeah. Just because I just noticed I was checking, I'm still on Facebook, but I just check it uh, much less rarely. Because... Facebook has spent millions and millions of dollars you know, trying to addict you to checking it more regularly. And when it's off my phone, I check email less. I check, it's, just, it's just better. Now, your mileage may vary, but that's the number one thing I've done recently that's been you know, really, really helpful in setting a boundary with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, <laughs> And the thing I've done instead of like Facebook or email is Duolingo. That's what's been really working for me. Like if I'm standing in line or I'm bored or something, I'd rather learn German than just mindlessly scroll through Facebook. It's so much better. I mean, I really, I love it. It's really, really great for me. Now, again, your mileage may vary, but Duolingo is great. Or just like sign up for Audible, you know, just so that you can spend, if you're standing in line, if you feel like you're not reading enough books, sign up for Audible, sign up for Kindle or whatever. You know, there's other alternatives to that through the public library. So uh, check those things out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so it's September. Uh, you know, I, I think September is arguably an even better time than January for making big life changes. So like right now is a really good time for this. So with fall approaching, those leaves are about to come off the trees, right? What do you need to let go of? right? In your life. What do you need to set boundaries around so that you're better able to love both yourself and others? Because you're worth it. As our UU first principle reminds us, you have inherent worth and dignity outside of anything. You don't have to earn your inherent worth and dignity from doing too much stuff for other people. You have inherent worth and dignity. You deserve love and respect yourself just as much as other people deserve you to love and respect them. So as you continue to discern, you know, how do I want to set boundaries in this season of my life? Let's rise, embody your spirit. Let's sing together 1053. We're going to sing it through twice. How could anyone?